Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Dave, and today it's my pleasure to speak with Matteo Rinaldo. He is a senior developer advocate for AWS CloudFormation, and he's done some really cool things with Hooks. And we were talking about uh, him coming on the show, sharing the GitHub and everything else that CloudFormation team has been working on. So, Teo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My pleasure, and thank you for having me here. Why don't we start a little bit uh, around your journey to the cloud, how you started out, how you got to be on the CloudFormation team. Sure. Thank you so much for having me here. And like like you mentioned earlier, my name is Matteo Rinaldo, and I'm a in a senior developer um, uh, advocate with the AWS CloudFormation team. I've been at Amazon for over six years and a half. And in my previous oh, role, wow. yes, <laughs> uh, going for seven uh, in uh, September. Um, and in my previous role, uh, I was a, a senior uh, DevOps consultant with another team at Amazon. Uh, at AWS, to be more uh, precise, it's called the AWS Professional Services, which is the consulting arm of a AWS. Was working with uh, enterprise customers and following them uh, together in their DevOps journey. And I'm sure we all know that DevOps is such an overloaded term these days. Uh, typically, um, it, it might be used to um, to refer to tooling or to pipeline driven orchestration, but as we know, it's much more than that. There's people, processes, and tools, or cultural philosophies, practices, and tools. You need all three uh, of these uh, key ingredients to really you know, grasp what DevOps is, right? Uh, ship faster in uh, innovation uh, to, uh, to your customers, right? So um, I've been very much um, passionate with uh, uh, automation. Um, in, in my previous role, I, I come from a software development background. Even before that, I actually graduated in music. So, um, oh, really? I, I didn't uh, know. Trumpet professionally, yes, with uh, um, with uh, orchestras and so forth. But you know, um, what got me into uh, into software development development was this, um, I guess, innate love for uh, computers since when I was a kid. And um, I started to develop it. I started to uh, program in PHP, then Java. Then uh, I went a little bit more into the uh, system Unix uh, uh, system administration, then uh, cloud administration as well. Um, I love uh, a lot uh, working with uh, routers and, uh, and, uh, and, and so forth. And then I landed into, uh, well, if I'm a developer and I'm building a software, what about actually being responsible as well to configure, build and deploy the infrastructure on which my software is going to be running. So not that oh, I yeah. don't trust other people to do it on my behalf, goodness forbid, but it's more like I would like to 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 try that myself and see uh, how faster I can go uh, and, uh, and, and describe everything with code, which is what CloudFormation also allows you to do, to describe your infrastructure programmatically with code. So started to develop um, you know, a, a strong passion for AWS CloudFormation uh, over the years, and uh, you know, having a, a service that gives you uh, the ability to describe, you know, to model, provision, and manage AWS and also third-party uh, resources uh, with the JSON or YAML template files. So you describe your infrastructure um, uh, programmatically with with code, and then the service, you know, provisions provisions it and manages the lifecycle of the resource for you. I found it to be very interesting, and then. Um, I, I thought it was a great segue of marrying infrastructure as code with the actual business logic of the application that I was building. 
So that's yeah, how absolutely. I, uh, yeah, I so two things there. First, I can't tell you over just decades of just observability of how many people musicians also code. Have you have you seen it's the fact that you have a musical background? I think it's something with like music is the language of the universe. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, baselines of of order and and choruses of chaos, and it mixes in, and it's almost like a an algorithmic wave that you can see. You know, and 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 there's just that appeal. Uh, it's just amazing, and, and you see this like when you go to code camps or events. Watch how many developers like are on stage jamming. Right. And playing an instrument. Yeah. And Fascinating. I, I love that you did that. Yeah. And, um, and, and so you, you know, the professional services, you're working directly with customers. You're seeing that day to day. I know for mm -hmm. me, one of the scariest times as a developer was I was always <clears throat> complaining about deploying. And at the time it was, uh, was it even ASP? It was ASP and ISAPI filters. And mm -hmm. I kept complaining about the slowness of the web server. And it's like, be careful of what you wish for. They're like, okay order whatever hardware you want. And I was like, what? And it was like compact, like 580Ls or like, I had no idea what hardware I should order or anything like that. And sudden, I think a lot of developers have been thrust into that and the whole, you know, infrastructure as code movement and the ability to just, even with serverless and just run code. And you've been at the at the forefront of that. And so, you know, we've talked about CDK uh, a, a lot on the show. We've talked a little bit about CloudFormation. Why don't we just baseline? Because you mentioned things like YAML uh, and the ability to look at that. Why don't we give like a brief overview of that and then we'll move into what you've done with hooks and, and that kind of logic that developers can take advantage of. Sure, definitely. So you were talking about the AWS, uh, the Cloud Development Kit or CDK, right? And when I talk to customers, you know, they ask, they're asking me, um, what is the difference between AWS CloudFormation and the CDK? The way right. I I um, I I, um, uh, I tell them is, you know, just make just uh, um, you know think about a, a statue that you're looking at in two different angles. In the end, it's always AWS CloudFormation because that's what CDK does, right? I think it, it depends on 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 your users. It depends on 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 the on the personas that are actually uh, making use of that. So if you're working with uh, with with a company with a team that is more conversant with uh, imperative programming than perhaps CDK something that you might want to start looking at because that might be your natural inclination to describe your infrastructure programmatically with imperative an imperative language or if you for example are coming from an operational background you might uh, find yourself to be more conversant with uh, with the hierarchical data like JSON or YAML that you in fact can use today to describe your infrastructure with uh, with code with CloudFormation, and so um, most of you might be familiar with CloudFormation um, on on this channel. And as I mentioned earlier, is an AWS service that uh, that gives you the ability to describe programmatically your infrastructure with code. And the the reason why I'm here today is because I would like to share you know um, something about a new feature, relatively new feature that we launched in February 2022 that is called AWS CloudFormation Hooks, as well as what I learned about this new feature based on, you know, my experimentation, based on my on mistakes that I made, right? So um, I, I think this is a, a, a great forum, like AWS developers, uh, because there is a lot of development involved as well into how you model, uh, build, uh, and, um, and, um, and then also leverage an AWS CloudFormation hook resource. So 
with AWS CloudFormation hooks, first off, uh, what you can do is you can publish your own custom uh, resource configuration validation logic into the AWS CloudFormation registry. So when you do so, you can use this custom logic that is an executable custom logic to automatically inspect configurational resources that you describe in your template and that you use to create your stacks, which are collections of resources, before these resources are actually provisioned. So there are two aspects to it. So you have a proactive validation aspect. And what you do is you reduce the risk as well as the operational overhead and, uh, and uh, overhead, sorry, and the cost, right? By identifying resources that are deemed to you to be non-compliant before those are provisioned. And the other thing is automatic enforcement. And that's another aspect because you provide enforcement in your AWS account and region to prevent non-compliant resources from being provisioned by CloudFormation on your behalf, right? So you're basically shifting the, uh, the fail fast, which is a term that I'm sure we are all familiar with, right? So trying to find if there are any issues, any errors in whatever we are building before we actually deploy it, or even better, very early in the SDLC or software development lifecycle. You're shifting, you're bringing this fail fast logic very close to the provisioning phase. And before you create, uh, before you update or before you delete an AWS CloudFormation stack, you can tie this logic that you build. So um, how can hooks uh, help customers, right? So what you do is you build your own uh, custom logic that you set up to be invoked uh, when you create, update, or delete a stack. So today we support pre-create, pre-update, and pre-delete um, uh, kind of stages operations. And I want to give you, I want to give you an example. Like let, let's make it real, right? So say yeah, that, um, you want to say you want to create some validation. And in your company, you know, uh, your, your your security team, for example, your compliance team, uh, is says, "I want to make sure that your uh, that our Amazon Simple Storage Service or Amazon S3 buckets are configured with the versioning enabled, and the server side encryption is configured with, uh, for example, the AWS Key Management Service or AWS KMS." Right. So, um, what you can do is uh, you can uh, you could build a hook, for example, called my company, colon, colon, bucket validation, colon, colon, hook. And what you do is um, you submit the hook to the register whenever you built it, and then you can configure it um, before using it. So for example, uh, you can uh, you can set up in your hook a configuration such as for your non-compliant resources, you can configure your hook to either prevent the provisioning altogether by, for example, rolling back a stack, right? or send a warning. And this um, sending a warning uh, aspect is something that um, I would recommend, for example, for your initial testing that you do uh, as you as you develop, uh, build, and submit a hook to the registry. For me, there's a couple things, and I'll include these links uh, that I immediately think is one, I want an example to play around with. And I know that you've got some stuff up on GitHub to mm -hmm. check out. And then two, how does this, you know, cause you've been working directly with customers. How does this, because developers are always part of a larger organization. How does this fit into everything else in the overall picture, uh, when I'm going ahead and, and deploying my infrastructure, right? Yeah, um, so, absolutely. Uh, so I would treat this as an application. That you have right, so everything that that I um, that I build and that we build, right? Talk, I'm talking to builders in this audience. I'm sure 
this um, this sentiment echoes very well. So everything that I'm building has a life cycle, the inception, the design of it, then the initial hands-on uh, after your design is clear, and then the continuous improvement that you make through through a pipeline, for example, or this conveyor belt that you design as well to transition your um, your application um, through a dev, a QA, and a production environment. So I would treat the life cycle of a hook, like building, testing, and submitting submitting it, like if it were an application, right? So, um, and then your question might be, well, okay, how do I get started? <laughs> how do I build a hook in the first place? So. Let's start from there, and maybe the, the picture is going to be a little bit more clear. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of moving parts, and in this session, you know, I don't think we're going to have much time to dive into the details. However, for more information, please take a look at the AWS CloudFormation Hooks documentation uh, that we have available uh, online. So, yeah, I'll add that to the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I just want to make sure that you know um, uh, our audience, you know, uh, as a takeaway value understands where the, the the typical, the key milestones, and then they can dive deeper into each one of these milestones at their own leisure and, and time. So what are the high level steps? So first off, um, hooks are, uh, like I said, a feature CloudFormation, and those are a type of extension. Uh, and so in CloudFormation, we have this concept called the AWS CloudFormation Registry, where you, um, where you uh, submit or where you can use um, extensions built by third party. So today we support, for example, modules, we support resource types, and we support hooks. Um, I'll, leave the, uh, I'll leave it up to, uh, uh, to the audience to dive deeper into, uh, into, the, 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 in, into resource types and hooks and, and, um, and modules. But for hooks, so hooks are also a type of extension. And like I said earlier, you understand what, what those do. Um, how do I build one? So you need a tool that is called the uh, CloudFormation command line interface or CloudFormation CLI. This is different from the AWS command line interface. This is specific for um, modeling and creating um, CloudFormation uh, extensions. So you install the CloudFormation CLI. We have documentation available for it for all the details. And then you run a command called CFN, uh, which is the the, 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 the file that you use to, to, to launch the CloudFormation CLI. And then you pass the init subcommand and then you will be asked, for example, um, what, what is what type of extension are you trying to build? And then it will it will say hooks. And then um, what you do is uh, you also specify the, the programming language that you want to use. Today we support Python and Java. And at the end of this process, you're going to find a directory structure um, that the uh, CFNCLI has bootstrapped for you. So your next steps will be, and again, I'm going to at a very high level, right? Uh, the documentation goes into much more details. So after you have this directory structure, the first thing you want to do is you want to open a, um, a JSON file that you can find in this directory. And you're going to recognize this file because it's, a, it's got a JSON extension. And the name contains the um, uh, the, the name of the uh, that, that you have provided uh, to the CloudFormation CLI when you created the hook. So, for example, if you said I want to create a hook called uh, my company uh, bucket validation hook, you'll find this uh, this uh, these words as part of the as part of the file name. So, what I want right. to do is you want to open this file and then say uh, those are the input parameters for which users will provide their their values uh, when they configure the hook at activation time. Then you want to say, and this is also very important, which resource types 
in, in the case uh, that I made earlier, in the example that I, that I made earlier, the bucket, which resource types will trigger the hook and at which stage, like pre-create, pre-update, and pre-delete, right? So in this case, you may want to specify AWS colon colon S3 colon colon bucket, uh, and assuming that you want to launch the, the, uh, the validation logic before you create and before you update the stack, you want to specify that for pre-create and pre-update. Then long story short, uh, once you're done modeling uh, this, uh, this schema, there are also additional things that you may want to look into. I'll leave it uh, up to you as, uh, as an exercise. But um, once you're done modeling your resource with the JSON file, then it's time for you to bring over your validation logic. It's time for you to, to start coding. Uh, so for example, if you have chosen Python, then uh, you will find an SRC in the uh, directory in the, in the structure. Underneath that, we'll find another subdirectory whose name contains the name of the hook, and they'll find a handlers.py file. You want to open it with your favorite favorite uh, text editor or IDE, and in there, you'll find um, that uh, the CloudFormation CLI has created for you some empty handler uh, functions for each hook uh, invocation point. For example, pre-create, pre-update, and pre-delete. And that's where you add, you add your own logic. Got it. In, yep. In the end, you, you package up, package up the, the hook and then you submit it to the registry. Uh, you can do it in two ways. Uh, you can submit it to the AWS CloudFormation private registry, which you're going to be able to find in your account or region. Remember, AWS CloudFormation is a regional service. So if you want to uh, publish your hook in, uh, say, US East 1 and the US East 2, you need to submit it twice. You can do it with the CloudFormation CLI, or you can also do it with, uh, programmatically with CloudFormation because you can also describe a hook with uh, with, the, with the CloudFormation. It's a, a resource type, and you can also use stack sets to um, to deploy your hook across regions. I actually have an example that is ready to use for uh, the for the stack sets in in GitHub. Uh, I think we're going to be talking about Excellent. that uh, later on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and two questions that come to mind. One. <laughs> It, it sounds like you're already setting up some of the unit tests for a developer already of how we can incorporate this with some of our subfolders. And two, is there a limit to the number of these things that I uh, can have? Is there like a size limit on the configuration file? Um, can I only have so many hooks? Do you find like uh, companies have a whole bunch of these or you know, how does it kind of fit in with all the other resource types and the size of things? Sure. So definitely for the limits portion, um, uh, I would like to refer to you uh, to the AWS CloudFormation quotas page where you can find uh, a number of, uh, of information uh, related to the size of the configuration itself. Um, you, should, you should actually find some uh, information that are specific to that there. Um, and uh, for, the, for the testing, uh, I love actually that you made that, uh, that you asked ask this question because that's also a topic that is very dear to me. So let me let me get there gradually. So uh, what I was saying earlier, you submit the uh, your hook into the AWS CloudFormation private registry, yep. and you can also do it. You can also submit your your extension in this case your hook to the CloudFormation public registry. When you do so, we do require that you as the uh, as the uh, hook provider or the source provider, for example, pass contract tests and we're doing Got this it. it's important because you know uh, once you have something that is public it's going to be um, visible to a larger user base right? and you want to make sure that in that case in, in particular you, you really insist on the highest standards which is something that you should do anyway and that's why to your point i cannot strongly recommend this enough 
um, even if we don't require you to pass contract tests when you submit an extension, for example, a resource type or a hook to the, to the private registry, my recommendation is do it anyway. It's always important to, uh, to keep the quality high. And one thing that I wanted to share is more like an, an anecdote. Uh, when I was building my uh, first resource types and my first uh, hook as well, you know, I got into a situation where I submitted to the private registry and I tested uh, a CloudFormation stack against my extension and everything was working fine. But then I said, I want to see if I, if I pass contract tests. I started to, to build some uh, contract test inputs and those were failing. <laughs> and then the, the lessons that I learned there was, you know, even if uh, uh, the, uh, something works as you expect it today, you know, contract tests may help you um, go underneath the uh, under the hood and see if there is a potential issue that may you know come in later. So my recommendation is <clears throat> start very early in the in the software development um, lifecycle of your uh, extension, like a resource type of, of or a hook, into making sure that your extension passes contract tests. So that's the first thing. Then <clears throat> there are two other recommendations that I like to make based on what I learned out of my mistakes as well. So, uh, and this is not related to hooks per se, it's more like on software development um, uh, best practices. Um, yeah. When you write, you know, uh, function in, in particular also for, for hooks as well, you can see you may, may have a, an entry point for a pre-create function. And depending on how many things you're doing, you can see there are quite a, Bit of moving parts, so I had to decouple the um, the functionality into functions, and I did my best to make them small and uh, reusable. So for that, uh, you can also use uh, software metrics such as the um, uh, cyclomatic complexity, uh, and uh, depending on on the tooling that you have, as you write, as you develop, you may want to keep the the complexity of your functions low. For example, my own uh, my 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 own choice of tooling in Python is to use a tool that it's called Flakate. That's my own choice. And that one has a plugin for the McCabe cyclomatic complexity algorithm. I typically set the, the um, this, this level to 10, which is if my function branches out more than 10 times, this is an indication that I should make it simpler and then decouple the functionality into another one. Then this also segues into the last recommendation that I have um, that also ties into the, what do you mentioned about testing? So when you have smaller functions, you don't normally making it easier to maintain the function in the future. You make it easier to make it reusable, but you can also make it easier to unit test it. So um, my recommendation is also write unit test to is a complement to contract testing, right? So that uh, you augment, you increase your level of confidence that uh, your uh, your software is going to be uh, behaving the way you want to. Yeah. What? Why don't we do this? Why don't we end right here so that we can dedicate a whole episode to walking through the sample? Because I think this is great stuff. And then kind of like what you've got coming along. And I'll add links to everything too. I've got the GitHub right here as well. Does that sound good? Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. So where can people find you online in the meantime? Sure. So I have a, um, a presence on Twitter. Uh, so people can find me on, uh, uh, this is my uh, my handler, is M-R-I-N-A-U-D-O, M-R-I-N-A-U-D-O. Uh, so that's where, where I can be found. Yep. Mm-hmm. Got it. Great. Thank you so much. This is great. I can't wait to dive in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.